Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel McIver, in a very jovial mood and I am as always joined by my other host, Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you? I'm fuming, mate. I'm, I'm absolutely raging. I mean, no style, no bottle, Nielsen out. <laughs> right, immediately we are what, 30 seconds into the podcast? Here's a little bit of behind the curtain. Adam had prefaced me with going, I know what I'm saying for how are you doing? And I was worried. And to be honest, <laughs> it's exactly what I expected. No, I, I've, I'm great, mate. It's, it's amazing what a couple of wins can do, isn't it? Um, it is. I could have done, done with winning some money from the matches right now. I mean, you must be loaded now. <laughs> I know. Literally, I combined £200 nearly. From the two matches. Not that we condone gambling, let's just chuck that out there. Always gamble responsibly. Yeah, bit responsibly. Yeah, responsibly. (laughs) As I did. But yes, we have a lot to talk to. And in a genuine change from the norm, 90% of it is positive. So we will do this in chronological order, which means we go all the way back to now a week ago, Adam, where... Heart of Midlothian played their final Betfred Cup game of this little run, and we were at home to Wraith. Now, prior to the game, last week, we stated that we expected it was going to be a win. I think we both predicted roughly 2-0. Your main points were that you wanted to see goals from open play, better chances created, and just a kind of better performance overall. Well, Heart stormed a 3-1 win, including the coming-out party of Mr. Cristiano Wijnaldo, Craig Whiten. What are your thoughts of the Wraith game? Um, I think that the team was a bit surprising first and foremost. You you touched on me wanting kind of a good performance, goals from open play. And if I'm being totally honest, once I saw that team, I didn't think that was, was coming in abundance. Um, I thought it was such a... It seemed like a, such a random assortment of names and the formation didn't seem all that apparent because I initially thought it was a, a back four, then it appeared to be a back three. Um, and it's fairly obvious to say that it seemed as though there was much more importance placed on the Dundee game with mm. the backup bra- brigade kind of getting their opportunities uh, in the Wraith Rovers match. So, I mean, hind- hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'd, I'd dread to think of the reaction had that team not won the Rovers game, in all honesty. Um What's your thoughts? Um, so I agreed with you that I was very surprised by the lineup. However, I was very happy with it uh, purely because I think, like most Hearts fans, yourself included, the Dundee game was of more importance, um, especially because we've got two wins from two already from the Betfred game. So it was a bit less important anyway, but the Dundee game was the priority. So when I saw the backup team, I was like, right, that's the reason. However, I thought it was very exciting because it did allow players who are perhaps on the fringe of the squad or maybe who have been trying to reinvigorate their Hearts career to get in to the kind of manager's contention again. And one of those individuals was Craig Whiten. And as we hinted at, I had Craig Whiten for goal scorer, which takes us very kindly to the opening minute and a half of the match where Stephen Kingsley swings the ball in from a free kick and it hits the Wraith Rovers' back arm. It was quite contentious what it was as the Premier Sports angle only had one angle of it and it was quite a rubbish one. Since seeing it back, 
what are your thoughts? Do you believe it's a penalty? I do, yeah. I, th- I think given the the positioning of Kyle Benedictus's hand, I mean, was it you that got the, the great photo? I did. I did. Actually, it was me. And, and that was a much better angle or much better availability to actually see it as opposed to, like you mentioned, Premier Sports and what have you. But yeah, like you said, it was it could not have got off to a more ideal start. I think the penalty gave everybody the perfect platform to almost be kind of assured by by the selection, really. Um, as Laurie Dunsire mentioned on commentary, that was Whiten's 25th game without a goal. So the fact that he was able to get the monkey off his back um, was, was great. And I think as the game progressed, his confidence, I think you could almost kind of see it growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed pretty evident that that was the case when he slammed one into the side netting as well. Um, Megan someone as well. Yeah, it was a really tight angle, and he didn't have much support. In fairness, but I think he was quite right to go go for a goal in that instance, particularly having just as I say, put the monkey off his back. So, yeah, very pleased for him. I I did not see that. How on earth did you envisage a first goal scorer bet? Well, basically, I'd kind of put my neck on the line in the last podcast, saying I I'm. I don't think I guaranteed he'd score against Wraith, but I said I was extremely confident he'd score against Wraith. So as a result, I went, right, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. I had £3 left in my uh, Bet365 account, chucked it on, and literally, thanks to Jamie Walker not being on the pitch, because if he was, I believe he would have taken that penalty, which kind of interestingly follows on from the discussion we had last week. Um, Mm. Thankfully, Craig Whitten was there to take it. And you could see... With his celebration, it wasn't so much a celebration, more just like a relief, as you say. Yeah, totally agree. It, it was it was just the arms by his side. It's as though it was like a, I can do this. It was mm-hmm. it was really reassuring. Um, I think, uh, can I be honest with you, mate? I think this the second penalty is a little bit more suspect. I don't understand the decision because now listen. No. The referee involved, it was only his third senior game or something like that, and he had never refed for us. Um, the decision is a weird one for me because he seems to give it for the Benedictus foul, which is so obviously outside the box. Now, I understand yeah. a lot of people's arguments who have said it's actually not the... Because Benedictus falls, which is how he takes out Whiten, but people are actually attributing it to the fact that he leaves an arm trailing and seems to grab his ankle. However... That's a bit uh, up in the air. Laurie's, as you mentioned on commentary, his interpretation of it seems to be the one on Henderson, which I think Mendy kind of slides in. And that one I can understand a bit more. But then the ref seems to give it for the Benedictus one. So you think, well, if that's weird that you've given a penalty, but if you are, how are you not sending the guy off as well? Yeah, because he was the one that obviously had the handball and got booked in the first place. Yeah, I don't. I, it's funny to me because that kind of um, that coming together, you know, there's there's no talk of the contact happening. It looked as though it out, happened outside the box, mm-hmm. and Whitens then fell into the box. So I don't know and that's even if he's given it for that I, I'm assuming it's for the Mendy challenge on Henderson like you say um, I thought it was it was very harsh on Rovers but like Jimmy Sanderson mentioned we'll take it all day long 
I thought it was hilarious though. After Whiten had slotted it away, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who said it, but he did somebody shout two shit penalties in the background. <laughs> that made me. That made me chuckle. I've got to admit. Especially um, because on the SPFL highlights, all other audio stops, and it's just uh, the loudest thing you can hear ever. Um, and then. Obviously, the aforementioned Henderson has an, an effort blocked off the line. So I thought our first half performance was, was very encouraging. Um, Absolutely. They basically never really touched the ball. I remember Gordon no, making one save. But apart from that, it was it was extremely comfortable, I'd say. Um, we then move into the second half where the game changed a wee bit. Um, there was kind of, from the 50th minute to about the 70th, I'd say, maybe 75th, there was a fair amount of time where Wraith seemed to not be on the front foot or in dominant, but definitely in the game. And that culminated almost with a, an absolutely fantastic strike from Mami Duku um, in, I think, what was the 55th minute or something like that. Um, I've seen a lot of people say, well, not a lot of people, I've seen some people suggest that Ross Stewart should do better with his positioning, I personally don't agree. I just think it's an absolutely fantastic hit. Yeah, t- totally agree. I, I, don't, I don't understand what more they're wanting Ross Stewart to do there because, like you say, it's a phenomenal finish. I mean, he's got absolutely no right to score from there. Um, he looked a real handful, that boy. He did. Up front. He looks very good. Um, I thought that like you say, they actually gave us a cup. I don't want to say scares, but kind of minimal scares. That the game wasn't dead and buried at two one, and and it's far from over. Um, so that was obviously then pleasing to see Whiten's run and subsequent finish. Finally, a goal from open play for me to admire. Well, that was um, the thing you want. That was your main want from the last my, podcast. That was my that was my main concern, definitely. Um, I've got to say though. If that were in another country and another competition, it would probably be all over football Twitter and be being shown all around the world. It's a, it's a great goal. He literally picks it up Sorry, 60 man. yards from the goal, runs, beats Kyle Benedictus, must hate Craig White in forever now, by the way, but kind of turns Benedictus inside out, nutmegs him, and then calmly puts it in the corner as if he does it every week. Yeah, and, and like I say, I think that's just a, a sign of his confidence growing in, in the game. He, he could have even grabbed a fourth in injury time. Yeah. Ollie Lee's persistence. Then he chucks in a ball, and it's it's a bit of a tight angle, but he, he only just sort of blazes it over with, with his noggin. Um, but I, I, that was funny after he scored the third as well from, from Robbie's mouth in displeasure. Yes. It was obvious to see that he then had a, a selection headache on his hands. Um, but then obviously it became apparent that he'd selected his Dundee team well in advance. So it's no surprise it was a makeshift team, but I thought they held their own. And that's that's encouraging for the campaign ahead, definitely. Absolutely. It's a bit of a relief that even the reserves, you can call it, I know we definitely did have first team players start in the game, but generally the reserves can just kind of calmly do it. I think a massive positive was Peter Herring getting a full 90. It was said just before the game, Nielsen said he was going to give him a 45 to an hour. But after the game, he said that he spoke to Herring during the game and he said he was fine. And 
for me, that was the biggest positive, even more than the result and the performance. Um, I just want to quickly say a little thing that kind of went under the radar. I think Ross Stewart had a very solid debut for us. I agree, mate. And I mean, it, it would have kept a clean sheet had it not been for that absolute wonder goal. That's what I was going to say to you. You mentioned Haring getting that full 90 under his belt, which is great. But I think the kind of random assortment of names and sort of playing in a back three, I can't imagine that Jamie Brandon's played in a back three at all. Peter Haring, again, has barely played at centre half for us. So that must be the first time in a good few years that he's played there. And Stephen Kingsley obviously operates primarily as a left back and he came in. So the defence can't really have any complaints. Like I say, it was just that great goal that ultimately did them out of a clean sheet. So, I mean, it, it wasn't a classic on Tuesday night. And no. we, we only did score the one from open play. But the fact that the boys on the first team fringes did the job, that's, that's music to my ears. It's great news. Absolutely. Well, speaking about a defence, we then move on to the next thing that happened. Uh, it was revealed via Twitter that Hart Midlothian and Ben Garuccio had agreed to two part ways. Yeah, the Australian left-back hadn't featured at all in pre-season with the exception of the very early pre-season games when Hickey was in transition of moves, AD White wasn't yet at full fitness and Stephen Kingsley hadn't yet made an appearance. So, he was kind of the only option we had in that position. What were your thoughts when you saw Grouchard left? Did you feel a bit of remorse? Are you okay with it? Are you gutted? Do you wish he stayed? What do you think? I'm I'm sort of gutted that injury pretty much limited his opportunities, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it did somewhat come out the blue, but then again, like you touched on, it's obvious that Kingsley's first choice. But I did see lots of jambos talking about the fact that they'd rather see A.D. White leave the club, which I can understand. But on the same score, A.D. White has been used as kind of a left wing back or the left side of midfield as it was on, on Tuesday when we've opted for a back three. So perhaps Robbie sees him of more use, despite mm-hmm. the fact that I probably believe that Garuccio is a better player, both defensively and offensively. Um I'm disappointed that we haven't made any dough, but then I'm pleased that he's obviously secured a move back to Australia. I don't know whether potential homesickness was perhaps the reason that his time in, in Edinburgh came to an end. So good luck to him. I mean, wish wish Ben all the best. I'm basically the same. Uh, I really liked him when he first came in. I thought I thought it was really solid, but that injury just kind of completely derailed everything. Um, as you say, there is an element probably of homesickness as it was a unanimous thing. And again, I agree. The fact that he was barely playing in preseason kind of says a lot. Um, you've seen that with other players going out, as notably Anthony McDonald as well. Like, if you're not getting into the team in preseason, you're probably not going to be featuring regularly. And Nielsen had nothing but positive things to say. He actually told Garuccio before he even stuck, took his first training session that he wasn't going to be playing and didn't find a place for him. But Nielsen said that he was a complete professional about the situation. And as you said, we all, as a fan base, hopefully, wish him the best. 
in the rest of his career. Right. You have all seen the title of this episode. You have all been listening to this episode for probably this discussion. However, on Friday night, Heart and Midlothian opened their championship season at home against a team that in the media the week before was hyped up as the team to compete with us in the week. It was spoken about how is it a grudge match due to the situation, we'll call it in the summer. And we said in the podcast last week, we really hope we not only put in a good performance, but kind of give them a wee bit of a doing as well as Dundee turned up in Edinburgh. And Adam, all I'm going to say to you is heart six, Dundee two. I mean, it's a, it's a near perfect performance, doesn't it? Um, the only gripes that I've really got are, are the goals that we conceded. I thought it was a really exciting and pretty crazy, actually, attacking display. It, it sort of felt like a Hearts classic of old for me. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, somebody informed me on Twitter. I, sorry that I can't remember your name off the top of my head. It was the first time we'd scored six since Robbie's first spell in the 6-0 win over Motherwell yeah. at Tynecastle. And that just feels like a lifetime ago, do you not think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of want to get the negatives out of the way first, and then we can Of course, on. of course there's negatives. There's six no, too. No, there is for me, because you know that Charlie Adam, having had the career that he's had, playing in the Premier League for as long as he did, has an absolute wand of a left peg, but can't run. So the fact that we haven't pressed or made any real effort to close him down and are letting him ping it from that kind of range, I mean, you're basically asking for it, particularly when he just waltzes past the midfield like they weren't even there. The Danny Mullen goal, also scrappy, and I don't know whether that's a bit of complacency creeping in or whatever, but that's to be expected when we took control of the game in the manner that we did, so... That's the negative spiel out of the way from me. I think you're even being a bit harsh on the second goal. It's so, The second goal is so lucky. I fully agree with the first one, I will add. Andy Irving especially is shocking in that moment. I, it's like, I'm not, what are you I'm doing? I'm not too much because he's my boy, but yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> what are you doing? Ollie Lee as well, just kind of running with him really bad. The second one is insanely lucky. Like, we do well to shut out the player and then it just hits off Kingsley. It's a really nice finish by Mullen, but it's it's one of those things that 99 times out of 100, it hits Kingsley and goes each and every other way. But just this one time, it landed perfectly at the striker's feet. It's just a case of pinball in the box, really, isn't it? And they've they've managed to make the most of it. I think... I don't know whether that's a, a defensive issue as such, but I mean, what in in all seriousness, what does it really matter? Because yeah. you, you look at the scoreline, that tells the tale. I thought the team was much more self-explanatory, actually, um, than the race game. It seems to me as though the teams kind of echo the performance and result. You know, that the race game was all about first-team fringes, but they get the job done. Whereas this was just arguably the strongest eleven, all guns blazing, and yeah, that a ruthless, a ruthless performance. For me, that's sense. our strongest eleven bar hearing. 
at the expense of Lee. Irving. Ooh. And then, well, this is, we'll get into that discussion a wee bit because I've got a question for you later on. However, no. we will go through the game because we're speaking about our team and absolutely, I fully agree with you. I think it's an insanely strong team. It'll probably be this, the team that starts most weeks, injuries and international games permitting. However, I want to ask you your thoughts on the Dundee team because when I saw it on BBC and they, they were saying they lined up in a 3-5-2, I know that transitioned into a 5, but I couldn't believe against this Hearts team, James McPake lined up with a 3 at the back. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get... When you know that the, the onus has been on Hearts recruiting wingers, you're setting yourself up for going 3 at the back. I think. Because ultimately, if, if we're attacking down the wings and getting crosses in, then that leaves more space in the box, mm-hmm. which obviously looked to be the case. Um, I, I don't know. It, I think, yeah, for, for our team, I'm more surprised about some of our inclusions, to be honest. I mean, their, their team somewhat picked itself. I thought the midfield trio of theirs, you know, they get all... They seem to get a lot of praise. I thought I thought it was all right. I think Charlie Adams only in there for his set pieces, and like I say, his left foot. Finley Robertson's still a decent young player, but and he'll learn off Dorans and Adam. But Graham Dorans didn't do a great deal for me, to be honest. I thought he was terrible. I thought he was so, absolutely terrible. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's really odd. But I wanted to get your thoughts on our team because. Your man Smith obviously earned you a fortune. I I didn't anticipate him starting at all, really, to be honest. See, that's I, think... I don't know if it's just because I'd watched Robbie's press conference, but he was my first name in the team sheet because Robbie said he was a shoe-in to start. But then I, I think it was more... Obviously, you mentioned Robbie's press conference. I think it was more the fact that I was keeping tabs on Northern Ireland because he got an hour or so in the game against uh, Norway. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was surprised by the inclusion of Smith and Irving because of their, their international exploits. And I would have filed Liam Boyce in that category, but he was left on the bench for, for the Norway game. So I, I can also see with Whiten getting that hat trick that it would have been harsh to drop him. So Which it was harsh. We will say that at the start. It yeah. was harsh and I feel for him. Because, because I thought if you're going to start Whiten, that's a great reward for the Wraith game. And then we've got the luxury of Boyce and Naismith on the bench to come on. But the subs we had available, I thought, looked good. I mean, just going through it, Haring, Naismith, Craig Whiten, Andy Halliday and Elliot Free are all available in midfield and attacking positions if we need. Um, but I, w- I wanted you to talk us through the inspiration behind Michael Smith's first goal because that's just... What a pick. Well... I do it every week. Smith's always my first choice. Uh, my bet, I put a pound on Smith every game to be first goal scorer. It's come up for me three times in my life, most notably before la- uh, Saturday night, the Motherwell Cup game where he scored the Raker. Uh-huh. For Park, yeah. Yep. Um, but basically, I wasn't going to. I had put on, as people may have seen publicly on Twitter, I put on Craig White and to get two or more. But... I had it voided if he didn't start, and he didn't start, oh, yeah. and I'd put a fiver on that. 
So I got the money back, and just for a laugh, I was like, oh, I normally do it on Smith anyway. I'll put a fiver on Smith anyway. And then, as you say, a minute in, Janelli has a really early chance, and you go, Christ, we've got a lot of space there. And I think it was Robert Borthwick who mentioned it on um, his podcast, where it was like, Dundee must have looked at the fact that Josh Janelli took the piss out of Inverness on that right-hand side and just decided, right, let's just not put anybody on that right-hand side. So it allowed players like Janelli and, in this moment, Smith and Lee to just kind of walk up. And then you see Roberts linking with... Well, actually, Smith starts it, plays it off to Lee, who has a nice wee bit of movement, plays it into Roberts, who kind of gets pushed. And Smith, when I first saw it, I thought he puts it far left-hand corner. But after I'd calmed down from running about the room, going ballistic at the fact I'd just won just under 150 quid, thanks to Michael Smith, I'd see it back. Jack Hamilton should be saving that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not even like it's right in the corner, is it? It's, no. sort, of, it's sort of just to the right of him. I mean, as, as soon as you obviously tweeted out um, showing the picture and whatever... I showed it to the old man, and he—he's absolutely fizzing. I mean, I think <laughs> I think in his entire betting career, I, I don't think he's ever had back-to-back first goal scorers come in. He was—he was raging. You didn't give him the tip. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of folk were. So, I—I uh, I don't know. I think this—this this might sound quite controversial, but it's—it's it's good that you mentioned that first goal. I think with the exception of, obviously, Liam Boyce's penalty, I thought the goals actually seemed to get better as the game progressed. I know I'll get shot down for that due to the brilliance of the Kingsley free kick, but when you watch the replays of the last two, the BBC cameras didn't do them justice, and it's only when you see my pal Jordan's coverage, that's the boy Jalen Films that is recording for the club, the Halliday one in particular looks a ridiculous finish because he's arrowed it right into the corner out of Jack Hamilton's reach. And it's just one of them where it just looks so... It, there's something about it. It's kind of just so pleasing. It's, yeah, just really soothing almost. Oh, right, just, wait, wait. No. That's at the end. That's at the end. We need to, but, we need to get there first. But, well, I was, I was going to say, do you not feel as though every time that we came forward it looked as though we were going to score. And when was the last time that a Hearts game felt like that? Well, funnily enough, that is literally the exact words of my dad who's listening to this and also agrees with your dad how he's never seen a bet like that come in back to back. But he was saying the same. He was like, he described it as the, the finishing was literally immense. Like, I cannot remember feeling like that. And yeah, listen, Dundee were fucking terrible right yeah they had a good 20 minutes which we'll get to in a wee bit but by and large for 70 75 minutes of that game they were fucking awful so some people go aye so you only played against that shite but it's like that doesn't affect the goals like the actual finishes and it was just like the amount of space in behind we were getting was ridiculous and each finish was just incredible, which very nicely takes me on to the second goal, uh, 23 minutes in, as we are just hammering down the Dundee goal. I can barely remember a Dundee touch in the first half, apart from their goal, to be honest. But 
We get a corner. Jamie Walker swings a pretty decent ball in, actually. Um, it's headed out to Josh Janelli on the edge of the box. Now, obviously, Josh Janelli gets man of the match for this Inverness game. I didn't think he was that great against Cowden Beath. He came on against Wraith and actually thought he was quite good. But initially, the first touch to bring it under control is fantastic. And for some reason, the Dundee, it's not even defence because they're all back for a corner. Just the Dundee players just let him have all the time in the world. He drills it, it goes through the legs of somebody, and then it goes through the legs of Liam Boyce. And again, I know Hamilton's probably expecting it to hit somebody. But I feel he should be saving that again. But just what a finish from Janelli. Yeah, and, and like you say, it all it all comes from that control. It's funny because I talked about the Charlie Adam goal, our lack of pressing. Theirs was really apparent as well. I mean, we're considered the favourites. We're at home. So I can't believe that... I mean, their gaffer's a former defender. Is he, and, though? Is he? I know well, he technically is, but is well, This he? is what I was going to get on to, because they didn't, they didn't make it tricky for us at all. They really didn't. I'm going to make a bold prediction right here, right now. I don't think James McPake will see the season as Dundee manager. There you go. I, I fully agree. I don't think you'll see it in the month. I, I, I Honestly, I cannot see it because... Who was it? I think it was Cammy Connor came on, and... We were talking about, you know, potential promotion rivals. And you and I both went, no, we're not having Dundee. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nothing to do with the squad. Because there, there are some, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to say premiership names, but kind of lower end premiership names on that team sheet. But when you've got a manager that's that inexperienced, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for me. And it's not even an experience. It's just shit. Because Nielsen had an experience the first time he was here. McPeak's just shit. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know James McPeak's coaching career, but Robbie at least was working in the academy and whatever. True, true. But, but I just, I, I could not believe Dundee just sitting off us. It was, it was crazy. It just, we, they should have done everything in their power. I don't know whether it's just because that midfield doesn't have the legs with with yeah. the retirement home, in there. but. It just it just seemed as though they just made it so easy for us. Well, immediately, kind of to counteract your point, Dundee did get a go back. Uh, we have focused on it a wee bit, but yeah, Andy Irvin should be even even if Andy Irvin puts in a wrong tackle, it's still better than nothing. Yeah, if you if you give a foul away, so so be it. You know, some sometimes in these opportunities. You kind of have to. I know that sounds terrible to say, but then we're at least a bit more organised and prepared for a, a set piece or whatever coming mm-hmm. rather than him unleashing that rocket, which he did. Absolutely. But he, get, he gets really excited because he thinks, this is it. We're back into the game, lads. It's 2-1. And then again, we just kind of kept dominating, kept dominating. And then the ball comes out the left-hand side. It's played in. Jordan Roberts with the most incredible dummy ever, taking two players away from the ball somehow, lands to Liam Boyce, and you just look at this and go, right, that's it, 3-1 top corner. Now, it does end up that way. However, Boyce just completely slips on his arse and gets out of jail free, really, because 
I can't even remember who it is for Dundee, comes sliding in with his arm, like, almost straight up in the air. I don't know what he's doing, but slides in, gives away a penalty, Boyce buries it. Adam, at this point, it's 3-1. Yeah, I mean, we thought the Kyle Benedictus one was bad. This is an even more unnatural position. What is yeah. he doing? Sliding in with his arms up high. I mean, I, I, I've never defended in my life. But surely that's the last place that you'd consider putting them. Well, I was a centre half. <laughs> and I can tell you that is definitely the last place you'd think of putting them. It's just it's so daft. I mean, like you say, that Charlie Adam goal, although it kind of came out of nowhere because we were dominating so much, it gives them a route back into the game, regardless of whether you know they go on and batter us, which obviously they didn't. But... I could not believe it, mate. You've just got yourselves back into the game and then you concede. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to kid on. It, it is lucky from our point because yeah. of the boys slipping whatever. But it's so daft simultaneously to concede that. I couldn't believe it when I was watching it. However, Boyce does everything right. Really good penalty. Um, this is kind of the last time we'll speak about Boyce. So I just wanted to say he is just better than Whiten, isn't he? Like, listen, I love Craig Whiting already. And he, him and Boyce are now on equal competitive goals for Hearts, unbelievably. However, Boyce's hold-up play, his positioning, he drew players in, which allowed players like Janelli, Roberts, Walker to have more time and freedom. He is, I think he's going to absolutely piss this league. It's amazing what happens when you actually play him as a striker and not on the left-hand side, as we yeah. did see. Um, but yeah, I think. Listen, I think everybody knew of his his quality, his his knack of goal scoring. Once we signed him, it, it was just a case of him, you know, making it come to fruition. And obviously now he's off the mark in the league. It should be the first of many in this division. So fingers crossed that's the case. I, again, and I mentioned it last week. I'm pleased to see a centre forward taking penalties because, to me anyway that just does seem the most reliable option that we've got. I've just actually thought there, do you think that means Boyce is on penalties? Because Walker was on the pitch. I'd say so. I mean, I think it's, I think obviously that miss against Cowdenbeath has done Jamie Walker's chances harm. It'll probably come back round. I mean, Boyce will, now that we've we've said all this, Boyce will probably miss his next penalty and then it'll be like Naismith or White and whoever's on at the time. I mean, your man Whiten tucked two away against Wraith. So mm-hmm. is, is it a case of him coming on for Boyce? We win a pen and he takes it? I, I don't know. Well, we then get closer and closer to halftime. There's a minute left. Ollie Lee wins a free kick and you just kind of think, all right, okay, this is I actually said out loud, right, this will hit the wall and it'll go for half time. Adam, just describe what Stephen Kingsley did with that football. Well, first of all, I'll say rather than it hit the wall and it'll blow for half time, I said that he'd blaze it over and <laughs> the red blow for a half time. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a ridiculous free kick, isn't it? It really is ridiculous. I mean, what a finish. It was like, as though Roberto Carlos has just had a long, a, a, a non discovered Scottish cousin that conveniently plays in the same position. I mean, it really was just 
upper echelons is a, is a phrase I like to use. My old man's been pointing that out to me. He says that I say that quite a lot, but it's, it's justified here because what a finish. I've realised now, just in this moment, Stephen Kingsley has taken two free kicks for Hearts and they've directly led to goals, both of them. I mean, the, the, the first, the first is out with his doing. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. But the second is a... <laughs> but the second is a worldie. Yeah, it's, it's a great goal. Great goal. It's one that you don't tire of watching. Like, you could you could literally just spend hours watching that all day. Absolutely. Well... We then come out second half, four one up, and you are just thinking, This is it, like this is it. And then as you say, the second half starts a wee bit uh chopping changey. And then as we say, Dundee get a go back and as I personally think it's incredibly, incredibly lucky for them. But there was a bit of a moment where you were like, Oh, might get back into this. But I think that moment there when hearing comes on is the moment where you just see how much better a manager Robin Nielsen is because they changed to a diamond at halftime and it allowed them to get a wee bit more control in the middle. Andy Irving does the most insane challenge I've ever seen. How is that not a red? Yeah, he's, he's lucky to stay on the park, isn't he? I mean, it's funny, the BBC name-dropped the Portobello Pirlo, and yet they choose a game which, which wasn't his best performance. In order Arguably to his worst. So they made me look, yeah, so they made me look a right numpty. I'd probably go along and say that it was his worst, to yeah. be honest. But then, what does it matter when he's part of a team that's just won 6-2? Yeah, exactly. But and obviously, he comes off. It, 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 and he did do bits for the, the under-21s as well, can I just say? Let's go oh, of course he did. Carry on. Yes. Um, he comes off, hearing comes on, and that was it. It was just like, ah, there we go. We're back to this again, is it? Cool. Because even at this point, which is what, like the 75th minute or something like that, we were still getting in behind. Players still had the freedom of the entire pitch. Hearing came on, made everything far more solid. And then... Walker gets the ball in to his feet, plays it to Roberts, who sees an, an, a running in from the distance, handsome Scottish man, and just lays it off. And again, I'll ask you, what happened next, Adam? Just an absolute thunderbolt into, into the top corner. He just, just loves a postage stamp finish. Um, I mean... Even even going back, that first half, I was trying to think of the, the last time that we scored four in a first half. Um, Do you know? Because I've got one. I've got I've got one in my head, and I don't know if it's right. The only game I can think of is the St Mirren game, but it wasn't. We just won that four-one. No, I I think we did. Did we not get all? Naismith hit a hat trick. Oh, we might have got them all in the first half actually. I think I think that's right because Ollie Lee got the second goal and that was yeah I think that is right. That is probably um, it. But but yeah, Stephen Kingsley, man, just please please just extend his deal already. I mean, what a player! He's what ju- a he just he we just obviously... looks above the level completely. Like he just looks class. Yeah. He does. We we really undersold him actually on this pod. Um, he does look a real, real coup for us. Um, 
And yeah, if I mean, if if the Garuccio release allows us to extend Kingsley's contract by a year or two, I'll take that all day, definitely. Absolutely. Well, you think it's all over? It is now, as the staunchest goal of all time happens as Jamie Walker picks up the ball, who I feel really bad for didn't get on the score sheet. He got two assists, but he was fantastic again. Plays it to Andy Halliday, and as we've heard from Adam, thinks it's the best goal of the lot, curls it round. Jack Hamilton, to be fair to him, is probably expecting Andy to cross it there or drill it across the face of the box. But no, he just goes for the far corner, and it's 6-2 to finish the game. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Walker's performance merited a goal. I'm obviously in that same camp as you. I'm disappointed that it didn't come. Um, just like to point out once again that he was my nomination for a Player of the Year. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. We're one Andy game Halliday, in, mate. And Stephen Kingsley was better than him. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I might, I might have to. Eat. I might have to swallow my words already. <laughs> um, but no, I mean. What a weekend Andy Halliday had. Gets his first heart score on Friday night. <laughs> Watches Rangers win the over on Saturday lunchtime. I mean, come Saturday afternoon, he must have been absolutely ruined. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, just, just really pleased. The finish is ridiculous. It really is. And like you say, I think Jack Hamilton is anticipating a cross. Maybe even a, a near post finish. Yeah. I think... I think it probably favours a near post finish, but the fact that he's ab- been able to bend it into that far corner is just ridiculous. Yeah, really, really pleased. Really pleased. I mean, that's that's somebody that we've brought off the bench can do that, and it's it feels so good to have genuine options. And you you touched on Jordan Roberts with attacking intent. It seems as though there's a kind of mentality all around the club where it's just like we've been demoted so that's fine and anybody is, it's like a come ahead thing because that tweet as well after the game was oh, just hilarious I well, mean this is the thing if you haven't seen it I have ever seen if you somehow haven't seen it because it eclipsed Hearts social media and Dundee and the championship, it kind of took over Scottish football Twitter. There is a current meme going around. If you're of an older generation, a meme is a funny image or message on an internet messaging board. That's what a meme is. Thank you. Um, It's how it started, how it's going. And it's quite a rubbish meme, but still it's a thing. And you put two images and it's like a wee dog that's a puppy. And it's like how it started and now it's like fully grown, how it's going. That kind of usual stuff. Heart of Melodian tweeted how it's going. And it is the, I think it's an evening news article, but I don't want to be sure. It's a news article stating that due to the fact Dundee voted no, aka to relegate us, uh, it allowed Celtic to kind of, they get more friendlies. They potentially get loan players and stuff like that. And then how it's going was just the championship league table with Hart and Midlothian at the top, plus four goal difference. Dundee, bottom of the table, minus four goal difference. What was your reaction when you saw that? 
Oh, just honestly, I burst out laughing. It was just so funny. It's 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 brilliant that the admin has felt that necessary, and it's funny because I, I listened back to the Embrace the Beef podcast with with Robert Borthwick when he came on here, and he was talking about you know kind of tweets that are reserved in this in the kind of drafts. I wonder how long that sort of message has been kicking about in somebody's heads. And then the fact that we've obviously had Dundee on the opening day and smashed them, somebody's thought, yes, this is it. It can come to fruition and we could just... I mean, you're right. It, it literally did take over Scottish football Twitter until that stuff regarding Stephen Dobie's penalty um, <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. But it was just brilliant. I mean, the, the interactions on it were crazy and the fans were all loving it. It was just... Hearts Twitter blew up that night. And I don't know whether it's just because of the brilliant performance that we saw or just because of that tweet or just it all, just a big combination of absolutely everything. But yeah, it was, it was great. Great night. Really pleased. And is that it now? Like, that was supposedly our toughest rivals. We'll get on to the upcoming game where I actually will say who, my, who I think our toughest rivals are going to be this season. But... Is that it now? Are we literally just going to piss all over this league and just go up? You know, you know what the problem with that question is? Is, like you mentioned a pod or two ago, that this, gets, this sort of stuff gets clipped up and inevitably <laughs> comes back to bite you on the arse. Why do you think I'm asking you and not answering it myself? <laughs> a wise man, I like it. Um, it it's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, it, that, I, I don't know whether about away, I think away from home, and it also depends on if fans get back at all or whatever, but I think we're of the mindset that Tyne Castle, we should win every game at Tiny, and it's not more acceptable, but it's more kind of expected for us to drop points on the road. Um, but that, as, as a home marker and as, you know, a kind of, Stamp laid down. That was just everything we could have hoped for and more, really. So yes, I think I think we should. Whether we will is another matter. That's why I'm saying that we should. Well, here's a question for you then, because I alluded to it earlier as we discussed this game. When Herring and How they came on to get, I know they came on like seven minutes apart, but you know, I mean, generally they two came on for Lee and Irving, and I felt. We were far better. Now, I know at that point we were 5-2 up and stuff like that, and Dundee have completely down tools. But I'd argue they down tools for the first minute. So, yes, that partnership is nowhere near as creative as Herring, as um, Irving and Lee. But how would you feel going forward with Herring and Howdy? Obviously, once everybody's fit. I feel as though... Haring and Halliday are kind of I feel like it's got to be one or the other along with a Lee or Irving unless we're in a game where we're perhaps not considered favourites and then it's a case of them both sitting but with a licence to then carry from transition into defence you know up to midfield and attack and whatever I I feel as though in a game where we don't see most of the ball, they'd be brilliant at retrieving it for us. 
And I think that it's a perfectly great... leads me on to the point of that is if they're fit, how I'd start the semi final on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more because I think those two are just as I I genuinely feel as though it has the makings of a perfect partnership because Haring will break it up and Halliday gives us that aggression and tenacity but can also play like the the two of them can both play so yeah I I just feel like it's the perfect setup for like I say where we've got to change our mentality almost I think for the games that we're expected to win and if we're needing to break teams down then a Lee or Irving's a, a, a better bet, perhaps. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily Haring or Halliday's game, but yeah, I, I think. I think it's very encouraging to be able to have that quartet, as I've mentioned, on a few episodes now. Definitely, really, really pleased with the recruitment in that respect. I absolutely agree. So yes, an absolutely fantastic night. Literally couldn't have been any better. And speaking about recruitment and that kind of stuff, moving on to our second last point, it was announced today, as we record this, yesterday as you're listening to it, that... um, Harry Stone has signed a contract extension until 2023. He went out on an emergency loan to Stirling Albion and made his competitive full league debut and uh, thankfully, or not thankfully, but just happily, kept a clean sheet. Um, Very exciting. Obviously, it was a bit of a worry that he didn't have much longer on his deal, but how how did you feel about the news about Harry Stone and where do you think he's going to go in those three years? Well, I'm very pleased that the club are making moves um, to secure the future of a, a highly rated youngster. Um, I, admittedly, I haven't seen him between the sticks yet, but in this case, with Harry Stone being touted as the next Craig Gordon, you know that tells you everything that you need to know about him. Um, I've actually got a wee soft spot for Sterling, um, believe it or not. My great-granddad supported them, so I've tried to keep an eye on, on the Beano's results, but I mean, what a start from a keeper's perspective to keep out arguably the favourites in League Two because Queen's Park have been attempting to chuck some serious dough around in order to try and rise through divisions. And for young Harry to shut out the likes of Simon Murray and Bob McHugh, like, you know, like decent lower league forwards, I think the stalemate with the Spiders is the ideal start for him. So fingers crossed that that's hopefully the first clean sheet of many for both the Beano's and obviously us as well. So yeah, really encouraged. It's a great start. I think um, weirdly I'm the same as you. I went to Stirling and uni and I lived through there for four years. So I also have a soft spot for Stirling Albion. And I've also seen how shite some of their goalkeepers have been over the last few years. So I think it's fantastic for them. I am very, very excited about Harry Stone. I think this year, I don't know how much game time we'll get, obviously with, Gordon and goals. I feel I feel it's a bit weird because in many ways this would have been a good season for him to get involved and depending how early we wrap up the week, he might make an appearance towards the end, especially because we've only got Ross Stewart on loan until January. But very exciting. However, you definitely alluded to something there. Um, as we're speaking about young talent and getting contract extensions, 
the reaction to the Harry Stone extension was met with unanimous happiness and joy. However, it was also met with, right, that's great, but is Andy Irvin getting a contract extension? It's a massive worry for me, mate. It really is. I mean, I just, I really, I really cannot praise Irving enough. I know I've absolutely slated him for his Friday night performance, and rightly so. But yeah, that that new deal has got to be offered soon, surely. I mean, I think it's just a matter of time, really. It, it is funny. I mean, that you you just saying that just sums up Hearts fans. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> like, I I simultaneously love and hate our fan base because it's some great news. We've secured the future of you know, a young keeper that's been linked with, I don't know, Celtic, Liverpool, like all these other clubs. And yet, that's not our main focus. It's a boy that's in the first team. The fact that he's only got six months, uh, sorry, six months till, you know, other clubs can speak to him and whatever. But no, we'd rather secure his future. It's great. It's great that we've, you know, tied Stone down to a new contract, whatever, but we've not seen him play. We know that Andy Irving's class and we've not offered him a new deal yet, so get the finger out. <laughs> it's like, I just really, I really hope it happens. It, it's got to happen. I, I did notice that it was, I did feel for Harry Stone, actually, because, like you say, it was unanimous that everybody was adamant that he should be offered a new deal despite stealing Stone's limelight, which was quite amusing, but also a bit of a shame at the same time. Yeah. I think um, I think it will happen, personally. Andy's a Hearts fan. I think if we offer him a deal, he'll take it, especially because, obviously, the argument will be, listen, we're going up, playing the Prem, become a mainstay, and then see what happens. Um, he hasn't had the attention that Hickey had, obviously. However, I think he could, eventually. Um, he obviously hasn't had the explosive start that Hickey had, but I think he's been, as you say, absolutely class, apart from Friday night. <laughs> Um, but it is a worry until it happens. It is a worry, but I do believe it will happen, which then takes us on to our final point tonight. Um, we have another game of football to play again on Friday night, again on BBC Scotland. It is against currently also bottom of the league, not quite on goal difference because Dundee are actually bottom. Uh, our broth, Dick Campbell's our broth. Um, I actually did some research and watched their highlights against Wraith. My word. Some mm-hmm. preparations gone into this podcast. That it's, must be a first. It's groundbreaking. <laughs> but yes, really? I, I did watch it and I think 3 0 was a bit unfair on them. They had a lot of good chances. Wraith's three goals. Two of them were really good hits. One of them, though, was I feel the keeper could do better. Um, of course, we have some sort of a vested interest in our both as Connor Smith is currently on loan there. He came on the 75th minute as it was already 3-0. However, you could argue Connor Smith came on, they didn't concede again, which is a positive. Connor Smith obviously won't be able to play against us on Friday night. But how are you feeling going into that? Because my view is I don't understand why Hearts fans are saying it's going to be an easier game than Dundee. I actually think it's going to be far harder. That totally echoes my thoughts. That's that's excellent. Um, Fuck's sake, we never disagree on anything. No, we do. We do. 
and that's something I'm surprised. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm surprised you didn't mention who was on the panel, the BBC Scotland panel on Friday well, night. Well, I didn't know what he mentioned it, but fine, we'll mention it. No, don't. No, please don't. No, please. no, 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 no. You raised it. You can, I was, I was going to move beyond it, but I actually want to speak about that panel because, listen, I know we're in the championship, right? And I know BBC Scotland don't give a shit about the championship, regardless of how like much they try to look like they do. But that was the most amateurish setup ever. Stephen Presley, for one, whatever camera it was, for the entire night, just had his back to a camera. I'm glad that was the case, to be honest. I don't want to see his face. Well, you know what? I actually really appreciated what he said about Andy Irvin. Couldn't care less if it's coming from him. Sorry. You raised him! I was going to leave it. (laughs) I'm surprised. I thought that'd be, like, your main point of the entire Dundee game. I mean, it was the highlight. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've infuriated, I've also, we'll say this, I've infuriated some other Hearts fans for simply stating that Ryan McGowan's been training with us today. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I just thought I'd keep that under wraps as well because that's, I mean, what, what relevance does that have? But it's you like, know, all, all I did was, all I did was simply say that, we, that he's training with us. That is an unequivocal fact. And some folk were like, of course he's not signing for us. And I was like, I know. He's under contract. He's currently just keeping fit. He didn't once mention the fact that he was going to sing. Yeah. Honestly, man, Hearts fans, just so so good and so annoying simultaneously. Not our listeners. Our listeners are all the great Hearts fans. Our listeners are the elite. Everyone knows that. Exactly. Um, But no, going back to the Arbrose game, I think, you know when there's kind of question marks raised about sort of a, a Latino player, like a like a Messi or somebody coming to England, and they ask, could they do it on a wet, windy night in Stoke? I was about to say, I was like, where the fuck is this going? You've went, no. so are both. You know Messi? <laughs> no, but that that's kind of what I imagine our both to be like. You know, yeah. I, I, I would have loved to have ticked that off my list, but obviously the circumstances mean we can't. Um, but yeah, just up, up. It's not even up north, but up further north than we're used to. It'll be freezing Friday night under the lights. Probably horrible conditions. Probably be chucking it down. It is meant to be absolutely chucking it. So I think I'm. I agree with me. I think this will be a lot trickier than some folk expect. Um, Especially then, because our both are just going to put two banks of four and a two and just sit behind the ball for the ninety minutes. Well, this is it, and you, and you raised the point earlier. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that exact same team. Um, and I think if we can duplicate the Dundee performance and grab a couple goals, you know, I'm I'm going to take a win up there by any means necessary. I mentioned potential complacency in the Dundee game with regards to the Mullen goal. I think they might only be part time and were heavily fancied to go straight back down last season. But that doesn't mean that our standards should drop. I think when I listened back to my feature on the, the Pure Championship podcast, go and check that out with Pure Football and my good mate Cammy and, and Chris, 
they both informed the listeners that Arbroath had the best defensive record in the division last season. So you're right. I think it is a case of us starting your Irvings and Lees and hopefully just just having that kind of same relentless mentality that saw us absolutely blast past Dundee. I'd love to see us replicate that performance and obviously the result. I think it's going to be interesting, right? Because I was speaking to, again, my dad about this, and he was saying that he'd rather a 2-0 where we absolutely dominate and have loads of chances than a 3 or 4-0 where we take our chances but have another 20-minute dip because we haven't really spoken about it yet, apart from here and there, and it will dominate the majority of next week's podcast. But the next game of football after this is the Hibs game. So... Is it more about we need to have a solid performance and go, and obviously a win, but going, look, we've won and it's been solid, than going, yeah, it's another goal fest, but also having a period of time where there's a dip? I think it's just a case of getting the job done by any means necessary, to be honest. I mean, do you know what? Everybody's craving that we go out and absolutely demolish teams I don't even think it needs to be that necessarily for mm-hmm. me. Uh, that that might come across as kind of hypocritical or quite negative or whatever, but yeah, I mean, I I just think I just think if if we went up there and won, say, three or four nil, that's fantastic. But equally, it doesn't it doesn't change the amount of points that we've earned if we win it one nil or scrape it two one or whatever. So. I think it's just a case of getting the job done. Not, I'm not going to say with a kind of backup brigade team, but the onus is all on the Hibs game. Let's be honest. I mean, this this is merely this is the wraith to the Dundee. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're being honest, yeah. And whilst while some might anticipate that it's going to be tricky, myself included. If, if you were to ask me, would I, would I rather drop points in this game but definitely beat Hibs or win this at a canter and lose to Hibs? It's not even a discussion, is it? <laughs> of course not. So, yeah, I've, I mean, what, what, is, what are you thinking? What's your thoughts? Listen, we can't take them lightly, as you said. I didn't know that stat, actually, about them being the best defensive, but it doesn't really surprise me. They've obviously got Bobby Lynn, who, yeah, he's now in his mid-30s, but he is famous in the lower leagues for just knowing what to do, getting his job done. We will have to keep him quiet if he plays. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with a 2-0 win. That's my prediction. And I'd be delighted with that. But I fully agree with you that, I, I think I said it just before this started, if you gave me 27 1-0 wins, I'd bite your arm off. Absolutely. And we've got that to look forward to on Friday night. There should be another Pupper Predicts during the week, which I've got to be honest and say thank you all very much for the support on that. At at the time of speaking, it's over 250 views, which is actually pretty impressive considering that's my first ever YouTube video and whatever. So I'll hopefully get wee Dusty back on and she can predict how we'll get on at Gayfield. Daniel, ahead of Friday, if folk want to catch you on Twitter, where can they do so? You can get me and all my match winnings at MacIver the Mark. What about you? 
Excellent. Well, I am at Adam T. Kendall. We are obviously at Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials, Perth to Paisley, and obviously email us at perthpaisley at gmail.com. And yeah, now we're, now we're back on Instagram. Hopefully got content on there coming soon. Stay tuned, and we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.